Welcome to the 3%. Thank you for joining. We're on to episode number two. So I'm Dr. Tasani Watson. I'm Dr. Rochelle Sharkey. I'm Dr. Cortez Lewis. I'm Dr. Adesola Fidei. And we are the 3%. So today we're going to be talking about the road to optometry school. So how do we get into optometry school, the application process, the tests we took, the prereqs <laughs> needed, and a bunch of other things that just go into submitting your applications and questions that you guys may have. So the first question is, what is the OAT? Dr. Lewis? So I want to be taking this question right here. So the OAT is the Optometry Admissions Test, which is the entrance exam to enter into any optometry school. It's one of the requirements that has been a requirement for a very long time for many schools. However, recently we've done a little research and we found that many schools have also taken the GRE. Some schools are also taking the MCAT. So when you come to researching what your school is going to require to get into optometry school, you want to go to a, a database. It's called OptomCast, which is a centralized location where you upload your application, you upload your resume, you upload all reference letters, and it's going to tell you what each school is going to require to get into that particular program. So how did you guys study for it? I know I studied with a Kaplan book. I did a lot of the online Kaplan exams because Kaplan provided you a lot of free practice tests, and that was extremely helpful for me. It allowed me to really see if I could handle sitting in the exam room for several hours and be focused. And it would also grade me at the end. And I thought that was a really good way for me to judge um, my progress during studying. Um, I know I did that Kaplan book front to back multiple times. Um, I knew every single question in that book. And after using that, I really do think it helped me a lot. Um, thankfully, the Kaplan book wasn't that expensive. I think it was like $20 at Barnes & Noble. I didn't have to pay for any preparatory courses. And that helped me a lot. How did you guys study for it? Yeah, like for me, so I took it twice. So the first time I took it, I went to the li any library I could find and try to find a Kaplan book. I was being a little cheap. I, you know, like I said I was working two jobs, so I was like, I'm gonna find another route of doing this. So I did have a, a Kaplan book as well. That I was able to find at the libraries. Um, definitely use that, and that was that was helpful. But for me, you know, standardized tests that was not my friend. Obviously, um, I did I didn't get the best score the first time I took it. So I did um, look into other resources the second time around and did the online like testing and all that. And that really helped me out a lot more. So for me, I definitely needed a lot more res resources there to, to get me on the right track because I wasn't the best test taker. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, don't do what I did. No, don't, don't do what he did. Don't do what I did. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you what I did, right? So. When I was getting out of school, before I had got into optometry school, when uh, when I when I knew I wanted to do optometry, they they uh, they had these Kaplan court. No, it was it was the the, the Kaplan books, right? And I remember there was a, a girl that had just got admitted into the UH program. No, she got into Berkeley. She got into Berkeley. She was like, "Here, I got my stuff. You can take it." And I said, "Cool. I you know let me let me let me have it." She gave it to me for free. She didn't even. She was like, "Here you go." I took it. I hadn't taken organic chemistry yet. I hadn't taken biochemistry yet, and I probably looked at the book for about a week. Right. Don't be like that. When he literally told me this, because again, we were working in the optometry office together, I was like, hold on, what? I'm like, this boy is about to go in here just blind. And when you talk never, about. Never took organic and still got, man, I mean, honestly. Couldn't even, tell you what no, couldn't even tell you what nomenclature means. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So. 
for me, it was a whole different ball. So when you say the definition of winging it, that's what I did. I just winged it. And, uh, and I still ended up, because you know what it was? Very good at chemistry. Like, I killed that part, like, probably like a 340. So that really helped me with all the orgos and all the other stuff brought me up. But I still ended up making a, making a 290. I couldn't do it again after that, though. I'll tell you that. I could not take, I could not face myself to take that test one more time. So I find myself in another predicament, which we're going to get into later on. So for me, I'm really similar to Solo on this one. I only want to take the test one time. And the material I used was the OAT Destroyer, which came in a thick packet, which had math, your sciences, then it had a smaller packet, which was just physics by itself. So I kind of played around, tried to study it here and there, but I really didn't dive into the actual textbooks. Uh, when the day came to go take the test, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go, and I'm going to see how it turns out. Somebody told me before I went in, they said, if you doubt, if you don't know, just choose C. C was very heavy on my test, i tell you that. <laughs> Lots of C choices. So um, I ended up not doing well, which I expected not to do well. I was hoping for the best, but it didn't really turn out that way. Score was not competitive at all. 280 to be exact. So, so you did beat me out by, by the 290. <laughs> so anyway, um, just looking at how I went about it, looking back, I would have done more to, to make better grades on that test, but uh, I didn't want to take it again. I did not take it again. So I initially just applied to several schools and just to see who would take me for what I already had to give. So I would right, because those are not cheap. But we all very different. The boys like to wing it. The girls, we had a little bit better study habits, but we all <laughs> made it. It's okay. That's right. fine. But Solo brings up a good point. There are a lot of prerequisites that are required in a optometry school. Organic chemistry, physics. I'm going to read this straight off of the OptomCath website because all the schools do have some varying requirements. But in general, they all require you to take calculus. They all require you to take anatomy. They all require you to take physiology, organic chemistry, biochemistry, microbiology, of course, in statistics, a psychology course, and the majority of the schools do require that you shadow. So I know a lot of us in episode one, we mentioned what we majored in undergrad. There's a reason why we all had some type of pre-health or science major. It's because it helped us knock out all these prerequisites. Um, it's really hard to knock out all of that common school prerequisites if you are not some type of science major, science minor, if you are not on a pre-health track. So something that you do need to be aware of is this is the profession that you want to be in. So I know a lot of people who are on pre-health track are pre-dentistry, well, same prerequisites. Pre-med, same prerequisites. Pre-pharmacy, same prerequisites. So if you're on any of those tracks, then it's fine. And it's also really useful that a lot of schools are now accepting some of those other exams, like Dr. Lewis mentioned. They're accepting MCAT scores, DAT scores, PCAT scores. Now, these are the entrance exams that are used for medical school, which is the MCAT. DAT is for dental school, the PCAT is for pharmacy school, and they're not even accepting the GREs. So I know a lot of people who are science majors, they want to go to get their master's in biology or master's in chemistry, and so you need to take the GRE to get into grad school. So if anything happens and you change your mind, but you've already taken the GRE, you have a score that you're happy with, um, certain optometry schools do accept those scores if you don't want to have to take another standardized test such as the OAT. So y'all are very lucky because we did not have those choices. I took the MCAT, and they didn't care. All right. They did not care at all. I still have to take the OAT. Um, thankfully, studying for the MCAT helped me study for the OAT, but 
I still have to retake it. And that was annoying, but I did it. And I only took it one time because I wasn't taking it more than once. All right. Yeah. All right. And not to so. discourage, it's not, you know, pre-health, pre, you know, biology, all that. You know, there was a lot of people in our class that were, you know, business and psychology and all that. And that, that kind of in your applicant pool, it makes you stand out because you're not the typical chemistry, biology student that most of these doctors, when they're doing our entrance interviews, are, you know, are used to. So, you know, definitely don't just think this is the only way you have to do it. Yeah. And it also goes into recommendation letters. I know I mentioned shadowing, and if Dr. Sharkey could talk a little bit more about what kind of recommendation letters we need to get into optometry school. Yeah, so for us at NOVA, we had to have three letters of recommendation. Two of them had to be from an optometrist, and one had to be from a science professor. So, you know, definitely, again, that's going back to the science, definitely want to have and develop those those oh, ones. Collegial relationships with your professors because that is a big deal when it comes to getting into schools. Um, you know, as far as other schools, all schools don't require three. So again, refer back to OptumCast for for the amounts of how many recommendations you will need. But you know, definitely get those get those together because that is a big deal, um, especially having someone you know, able to give you a very good recommendation. Mm -hmm. So not just getting a recommendation, but shadowing was also a really big deal because if you don't shadow an optometrist and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, I think you do yourself a huge disservice. But I do think that you should go out and find your local optometrist and see if it's something that, a career that you really like and make sure you really get on their good side, ask them all the questions that you want to ask. I know all of us are very open with students who ask us questions about school and our paths, and we're all very willing to help, and most doctors are. So just keep that in mind if it's something that you are truly interested in. That yeah, goes and I, just to add to that too, I think that when it comes to shadowing, I think you should shadow every facet of optometry. So I think you should also learn um, what, it, you know, what it looks like to be in a kind of a medical practice, right? Because that's something that you'll learn you know, what is it like to be in a private practice, you know? Mm -hmm. And not only just being there and being maybe a technician or shadowing, but also pay attention to the business because, you know, some people, what you realize is when you're not coming to school, you maybe want to have your own practice at some point. If you pay attention, keep, pick, pick, the, pick the doctor's brain on how they run their business. Pick the doctor's brain on how they, how they do what they do because what happens is then you can apply that when you get out. Um, you know, uh, go work at, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, go shut out at a VA if you if you need to. Um, there's 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 so many different varieties of, of ways that you can shadow. But I think that getting a glimpse of every way you could do it will help you kind of put the whole picture together when you get to optometry school. Because when I got to optometry school, I only thought of it in a private practice way. But there's so many more <laughs> different ways you can practice optometry that will help you realize, it. oh, okay. So then when you're picking your extern sites and all these other sites, you don't kind of click better for you so getting you know getting various opportunities and in various uh situations will help you out a lot yeah i think that's really good and i think a lot of people may ask like how do i go about even shadowing an optometrist like do i just go up to the office and ask them can i follow them around um mm -hmm. yes you can do that yeah. um you can also i know i did i googled different doctors that were in my area and i just sent them emails and asked can I shadow you? I'm interested in going to optometry school. Some responded, some didn't, but the ones who did respond were the ones who truly did want to help. And 
I'm forever grateful for those experiences. So I guess this also goes into like how many schools we apply to. So I know I applied to five schools. Um, I got interview offers at four of those schools. I went to all four interviews. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to school in the South because I had gone to undergrad in St. Louis, like I mentioned before. It was really cold, and I realized that being in the cold is not conducive to my study habits or to my happiness. So even though I did apply to some of the schools that were in the cold, like I applied to ICO, I applied to PCO. They're really great schools, fantastic reputations. Um, I did like the schools, but I didn't like the fact that we got somewhere cold again. So I was happy when I got my interview at Nova, and when I interviewed there, I loved the school, I loved the faculty, I also had a really big fam familial support back there, and so I knew that if I was going to enter grad school, I needed to have a lot of support, not only from my classmates and my colleagues, but from my family, so when times got hard, I had someone else to lean on, and so that was one of the main reasons why I did pick Nova Southeast University. What about y'all? How many schools did you apply to? Yeah, I did four. Um... You know, again, I applied to Nova, ICO, um, Rosenberg, and U of H. And for me, I was already in Texas, so I had planned to stay in Texas, but, you know, things didn't work out that way. I did get interviews at all um, three of the four schools. Um, and for me, I think the admissions process itself with the student admissions, the people that are actually you're corresponding with, that makes a big difference. Because for me, there were certain schools um, you know, you may not have gotten as much feedback and mm -hmm. that can weigh heavy on, a, you know, a student's process of elimination. You know, you want um, a school that's going to support you. You want, you want, you definitely don't want to go somewhere that may, they may not necessarily have the best intentions of seeing you succeed. So that, that weighed a little bit heavy on me, just having the student admissions at NOVA, their faculty there did a great job with you know, advertising their school and, you know, again, just the whole pep pep talk that I got for, for, you know, retaking my OAT. So that was definitely a big decision for me. Um, and again, going back to what Tasani said, I didn't want to be in a cold. So <laughs> I, Nebraska, I had enough of the cold. So I was, I was trying to go south. And if it wasn't going to be Texas, then, you know, Florida definitely you know, I, I really love what Nova had offered. So that's why I ended up choosing them. And a lot of it had to do with their admissions team. All right, boys. So I applied to about four schools, all right? First school was Southern College of Optometry, then University of Alabama, Birmingham, that's UAB, also uh, University of Houston, and Nova Southeastern University. I didn't hear back from anybody but Nova Southeastern. But I will say that I chose Southern as my number one choice because they were close to my hometown. Memphis, Tennessee, 45 minutes from where I grew up. So I wanted to be close to the family so I could drive back and forth. Not knowing that when you're in optometry school, you're busy. Even on the weekends, <laughs> you're busy. You don't have time to go back and forth to the house to see family. So for me, uh, I was just grateful for the opportunity that Nova granted me an interview. To have an interview in optometry school is very big. It's a competitive process to get an interview for any type of program. If you're not getting a lot of looks from these schools, I would say, take it, see what they're offering, see what they're talking about. Even if it's not close to family, friends, if you're leaving the state, you've never left before to go to a, a foreign place. You, you got to take a chance on yourself. So 
for me, going to Florida, it was my first time ever being in Florida, but I was only a few states up. Alabama, Arkansas is what I was used to. So coming down to Florida, everything was a, was a culture shock for me. So I enjoyed it from day one. And I'm just blessed to have the opportunity that Nova provided through the POP program. Not the traditional, but it still gave me an opportunity to get my foot in the door. So I'll take it. Yeah, no, and absolutely. I mean, you know, for me, same thing. I think I did about four or five schools. Uh, you know, obviously I went to the University of Houston, go Cougs. And that was the school I wanted to go to, but you know, they waitlisted your boy and it is what it is. Um, I think Nova was my second option um, just because, you know, I didn't want to pay out of state tuition. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, you know, pay extra money that, you know, I didn't want to pay. You know, University of Houston was a little bit cheaper for me and that was what's going to work better for me. But like I told y'all in the last episode, um, when, 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 when I met Dr. Batsgalupi, and he gave me that opportunity. I said, man, listen, you give me that opportunity, it's a wrap. And, and, and you know, to, to, to exactly what Rochelle said, you know, they, they supported us from day one. And, um, and that's why I ended up going with Nova, you know. So, so that was, you know, kind of what we did. Yes, I know we've mentioned Dr. Bacchalupi a lot. Um, he was very influential, I'd say, also in a lot of my decisions to go to Nova. He was the dean of students, I believe, when we were there. And he made it a point to be a student affairs, yeah. And he made it a point to make sure that all the students, like the incoming applicants and current students, felt welcome there, happy there. I know he provided me with a lot of opportunities when I was there um, during my first year. He's the reason why I'm in the ASCO video of how to be an optometrist. That's something that he mm -hmm. recommended for me to be in. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even know that that video was being made at our school. And so he was a really big influence on my time there, Sola's time there. Um, did he affect you and um, Cortez Rochelle at all? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Dr. Bachelupi, Fran, Dr. Melanie Crandall, who did my interview to get into the POP program. She was a, a big part of the reason I got in because she was the only optometrist that interviewed me. And the other was uh, just a regular science professor. And I think she saw favor in me and I'll forever appreciate her for that. Yes, I know Cortez and Sola have talked a lot about the POP program. I'm going to have them explain a little bit more about it. So they both went through the POP program, which is the five-year optometry program, where Michelle and I entered straight through into our first year and only spent four years on the traditional path. So if you boys could please explain a little bit about that so people know more about it. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can start it off, you know. Um, so the POP program is, it's, it's, it's interesting, the POP program. You know, like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that's very widely uh promoted you're not going to really you know see it as this big promotion what they do is is that when they when they 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 send you in you know when they look at you send the application they review everything you've contacted them you've reached out to the admissions you've done everything that you can do they re they come back to you and say hey listen we're not going to give you a rejection letter right we're going to give you an opportunity for this alternative route and the alternative route was the, the, the pre-optometry program was the POP program. And they give you an interview in that route. So it's kind of like a recruitment almost. It's kind of like the, we're, we're going to put you in this particular pile where you're not as competitive numbers wise, but there's something else about you that we like that we think that you could be successful in our traditional program. So we're going to offer you this, this particular um, this particular route right here. So it is five year long, five year long program. Um, it is something that you do have to 
apply for as well. It is something that you do have to go to an interview for, and you have to do very well. You know, the, the, the applicant pool, at, particularly at NOVA, you know, could between, be between 40 to 60 people just trying to get 15 slots, you know. So that in and of itself is still very competitive. And those 60 people were picked out of, you know, hundreds of people, right? Um, so, you know, once you, get it, once you get your interview and you go through the process and you're accepted, you do have to go through a year-long, um, basically, basically like a like a pre-optometry training where you're taking classes. You're uh, what you're what they would consider a fifth-year undergraduate. You're not necessarily a uh, first-year traditional optometry student at the time, but it's very unique in how they do it because you will be actually in a few of the core classes that the optometry students, the traditional optometry optometry students are taking. So you're basically uh, subbing the classes, you're, you're in the class, you're also taking the tests with them as well. You're taking the classes, but then on, you know, on, on the side, you're also taking, you know, calculus and other things that, you know, are in the undergraduate class as well. So it's a duality of both colleges, being both in a college of optometry, but then also an undergraduate, uh, getting another, basically another bachelor's almost in a way too. So you know, after you go through the process um, and you're able to maintain a particular, you know, grade point average that they want you to maintain, which I believe was a, which I believe was a B point average at the particular time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when once you're able to do that, then they'll allow you to matriculate. The cool thing about NOVA is having this particular program is that if you were able to maintain not just a B, but maybe make an A in any particular class that was a core class for the, for the first year students, when you got matriculated smoothly into the first year class, uh, you were able to be exempt or opt out of those particular classes. So, um, so it was pretty cool. Although it is, um, you know, nice. although it is, like I said, a preparatory, you know, uh, uh, one year program, it is still kind of tedious. You do still have to put in the work. You do still have to uh, show that and prove yourself that you can do this, you know. And, uh, you know, my personal experience through that was, uh, was amazing. And, and I enjoyed it. And, you know, it was, it was something that let me know that this is what I want to do and this is where I need to be. What about you? So for me to kind of piggyback off what my brother Solo was saying, uh, a lot of people apply. Uh, we didn't know about the POP program. We were, this was offered to us. So they interviewed about 40 applicants. They only accept about 15. And luckily we were in that, that 15 because when we first saw each other at the interview process, yeah. We didn't really like, you know, okay, that's a brother right there. I'm a brother. We're like, okay, who's going to get in? And mm -hmm. throughout the process, there was also another black guy who applied, which was actually living in Alabama at the time that I was living in Alabama. We had crossed paths a few times. So after the interview process, you got to wait about a week or two before you get your, hey, you got accepted or whatever. And I remember bumping into the other guy at a footlocker. And I had gotten my acceptance letter already. And he had asked me, hey, had you heard back or anything like that? And I didn't want to be like, yeah, man, I'm on my way. I'm going, man. I didn't <laughs> want to be that guy. So I was like, no, nah, man, I ain't heard back from him or anything like that. Today, I have never seen that guy again. So I was looking at the aspect that I was chosen to be in the POP program. I'm grateful for that. Because if you don't get into the POP program, you're in the process of reapplying again, taking the OAT again, trying to be competitive to get into the traditional program. And I'm like, and if I'm going to sit out an entire year anyway, I'll go ahead and take this pop program to start getting these courses out of the way if I can. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. Too, you know, say they fail, they 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 didn't get an you know an interview, mm -hmm. or you know 
they feel like they're not good enough. You know, there's really, you know, having these programs that, that Nova did, you know, gives you more of an opportunity, gives you that motivation that, hey, I can still prove myself worthy of being in these traditional programs. So, yeah, I think that was a great thing that the school is offering. And it would be a great thing if a lot of, you know, schools could offer something like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people out there that have the potential is just giving them that shot. Um, so definitely, I think that that's a good thing going on right there. Is that the I, would say that, I would say that it was, it was a stressful year, even though we had a lot of course load than the traditional students at that time, we were trying to stay. Yeah. We wanted to be in the. We wanted to be in with everybody else. We wanted to feel included. Play, you know, we couldn't play games. We couldn't play games. We couldn't play games. Too. I mean, I think school in general. I mean, we were thirty thousand a year, but yeah. you got had that additional cost on top of the four-year traditional program. So, how has that affected you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that at the time you you're gonna. I mean, if you do get off of that program or that's something that you're interested in you will have to inquire about the, the exact price on your own but at the time when, when Cortez and I were in it it was it was roughly about 18 about close to $19,000 for just that one-year program um, so that is something that you really have to consider because it's a unique process you don't get graduate loans for it you have to take a private loan for that. Oh, so, I didn't know you took out a private loan for Pop. Yeah, I thought it was private 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 loan. Yeah, because your undergrad loans already, they mm -hmm. ran out already. So you don't okay. get the undergrad loans no more. You can't get the graduate loans yet because you're not an you know, official first year yet. So you got to go get a private loan just to accommodate your fifth year undergraduate status. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was very unique. So you did have to understand that although it was an opportunity, it was going to be a pretty expensive opportunity that you could not afford to mess up. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, that, that, that was what it was. And, uh, but I mean, I, I think that, I think that, like I said, when you look back at it, it's an investment for your future, right? It's like the best investment that you can make for your future. And, and you like, played, like, I was going to say, what do you think played like the biggest role into you getting something the pop program rather than the traditional program? Do you think it was your GPA? Was your OIT scores? Is it lack of putting prereqs? Like, what do you think it was? You know, you know, like I said in the last episode, I think that because I was already at the bottom of the barrel, I think that a lot of the applicants that do go to optometry school, they're probably coming from top of their classes, you know, mm -hmm. 3.67 GPAs, OATs, 350. So when you look at a guy like me who doesn't fit that particular studious profile, who doesn't have the same background, but has a very unique story, I think what it was was it was like, hey, listen, this guy doesn't have it. Like he's trending upwards. Yes, he's got a 3.4. He got back from school. OAT was questionable. But I think there's something more well-rounded about this guy that we might want to give him a chance because he actually might be successful and that's why to, to, to Rochelle's point that's why I love Nova so much because you know not only were they being progressive in, 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 in increasing um, the awareness of the African-American community right they actually did work on on diversity in the in, in the class they did work on inclusion within the class and within the college and when you know when, when Nova would say can you see yourself here 
I, I, I remember coming to Nova for my interview and I was like, hey, I, I do see people that have my complexion here. I do see myself here. And that was unique oh, for me. Program. Huh? Just in general, we had a very diverse program. Very, because then, I remember coming from University of Houston where it was kind of a token, a token situation, right? So it wasn't something where I saw myself at University of Houston. I just, I just was trying to get in because that's where I went. But at Nova, you were like, hey, I, I, hey, oh, there you go, there you go, there you go. So I think that that was pretty, pretty, pretty unique in that way. And uh, so, you know, with that, you know, that's, that, that, that's why I think I got into to, to the, to the pre-optometry program uh, because, you know, they just, they saw something unique. And I think that they were willing to give somebody a chance, like mm -hmm. me who comes from this background of like, hey, not the best studious academic person, but I think he can really offer something. And I think that I was able to make my voice in fact while I was at Nova. That's really good. That's really useful. Do you think you have a similar story, Cortez, or is it different? Uh, pretty similar. I think he was trending up, I was trending down. So okay. if I'm being transparent with the group and to the world, my GPA was actually a 2.71. My test score was a 280. I was trending down, but I was in the harder courses at that time. So when you get into the biochemistry, the organics, it's tougher. So the grades aren't always as high in undergrad. So I wasn't trending on the upward, but I think when I got the interview, at that point, they had read, they knew what I had. You know, they wanted to see what type of person I was. And I was able to sell myself. I was able to be confident going to the interview, and I think that's what they saw. They saw, hey, this guy has what it takes, you know, let's give him a chance. So for me, it's just like, I know that there probably had been people there that could have probably outdid me, because that wasn't very competitive at all. And I, I kept that a secret for a very long time. This is actually my first time publicly saying I had a 2.71 going into that pop optometry program. So, you know, and, and I would say that what I noticed through optometry school I finished with an 86 average. So I noticed that, you know, I worked my tail off. I studied, I did what I needed to do to make the grades. And it shows that, hey, I came from here, but in optometry in a much harder program, I showed that I was able to do it. So um, yeah, and even to go back on the financial situation, that pop year was expensive. I had my mom take out a private loan, co-sign for it. And I just paid it off recently. You know, that was the first loan I paid off when I started, decided to pay off my loans. I said, Mom, I'm gonna get you out of this debt. You know, because you're tied to me at this point. So that's the first one I paid off. But I'm thankful that she was able to do that for me because we wasn't in the best financial situation, credit-wise, whatever you want to think about, money-wise, whatever. And it was like walking up to the financial aid department and you see other students with their parents writing $20,000 checks and handing it over. And I'm like, well, you know what? I got to take out loans. I got to do this, that, and the third, which is fine. But it just shows you where there is a little bit of a gap there. So. At the end of the day, it is what it is. We're here today, but, you know, just having that program there was, was very meaningful. And I looked up NOVA. It's probably one of the few programs that has something that helps minorities or people who aren't on track but are trying to get there. And I would encourage, like, we want to see more schools implement programs like that, you know? Yeah, because a lot, I mean, a lot of our... Um, for you know it's kind of unfortunate but a lot of the people that matriculate into the class with us me and Tasani were mm -hmm. from you know black in the pop program so that is where we got this 10 that we graduated with I mean had I it think not we started with 14 and then like 10 of us graduated together but it was like yeah. 14 like in our first year class 
Because how many, I don't know if exactly how many were in the traditional program with us, but it may have only been, <laughs> it might have been like, yeah, it was, it, we definitely had a lot from, from that program. So that mm -hmm. goes to show you who, who the applicant pool is for that. I mean, wow. Nova has other programs too. They have a pop program, which is five years, which that Dolan Park has went through. A traditional program, which is what most schools have, you just go to school for four years. They also have the extended program, which is um, another five-year program. It's slightly different than the pop program. I guess look up on their website to see what's changed about it, if anything, now. But it's just something for people who have more obligations. They don't let they can commit to the full course load, and so it's spread out a little bit longer. But like Rochelle said, there are very few of us who entered into Nova just through that basic four-year track and that is what allowed Nova to have such great diversity but the question is 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 that a good thing or is that a bad thing like should more of us have been accepted into the regular four-year track was that a way to make us prove ourselves that we were worthy of being there I don't know I mean that's something that you have to decide for yourself but it's something that did cross my mind the more I met people in our class the more I realized their stories I was like huh I wonder I just wonder um, I know the fact that Cortez and Sola did do the pop program. That's the reason why we all kind of got very close because they were very, very good anatomy tutors. Um, and that's kind of how this little friendship <laughs> developed because they helped Rochelle and I a lot throughout anatomy lab and different courses they'd already taken and got A's in, like they said, because they needed to get A's in certain classes to um, not take them first year. So we got to piggyback off of some of their knowledge, which was extremely useful and kind of helped us cultivate this friendship that we have now. It's kind of how it started. Do you guys have anything else to add about that before we move on? Good. Okay. No? Okay. Um, I guess the last question we have is like, did y'all work in the optometry office before you went to optometry school or do any community service and how did that help you or not? I know I did it. Um, I shadowed a couple of times, but that was about the extent of it. I know. What about you, Cortez? Me? I just... I was introduced to Dr. Ford and I literally just went to his office just to show my face. And he was, a, he was nice enough to let me walk to the back, show me around. So things I don't know about, he was explaining, I understand it now. And at the time it was just like, okay, this is pretty cool. And I also ended up just kept shadowing him because we formed a really good friendship to the point where, where he would have Christmas parties and they would throw holiday parties and he would always invite me. And for me, going to his house and seeing how they were living at the time, I was intrigued by, like, wow, this is how you guys are living. You know, we had the party. They have people walking around with the trays. We got violinists playing. So I'm like, wow, he's making pretty good money. And he had a, his own private practice at the time. So for me, just seeing it coming up, it's like, man, I can be doing this too. I can have this same or similar life. So shadowing him kind of like, ended up being a friendship thing. He would introduce me to Dennis, other optometrists in the area. So I, I appreciated it. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you know, Rochelle and I, we both worked at, uh, you know, local practice in Houston. And it was interesting because, you know, I got there first and, and uh, you know, learned the ropes pretty quickly, learned that I really wanted to do optometry pretty quickly. Uh, the doctor there was, was she, she was great. And, and, and she was great. I loved her. Um, you know, I, I think that we had different styles, though. Definitely different styles. <laughs> and I think the way we saw practice was a little different. Now, obviously, I wasn't even an accomplished student at the time. But I, I did see how, like, hey, there's so many different ways to do private practice. Like, even within private practice, so many different ways you can do it. And you can structure it and form it, right? 
And, uh, you know, but I think overall, I think it was an amazing experience for me because uh, I was able to learn a lot. She was very, uh, one of those doctors kind of like, hey, I'm, I, I want to leave a lot of responsibility. Like, yes, yeah, she was very strict. <laughs> she wanted you to do it a certain way. But I do think that she was like, look, I want to give you as much responsibility as you can handle. So if you can just listen, I don't want to think about doing it. I want you to get it on point. So I think that, you know, it helped me get like, all right, I know she wants us to do it this way, this way, this way. So I'm going to do everything so she doesn't have to be on top of me and worry about me and how competent I am. So I'm going to do the work. And I think that helped me really learn so much more about the business, so much more about optometry in general, because I wanted, I, I cast my net wide as far as my learning to say, hey, I want to know everything. And I think with that, that was cool because then when Michelle came on, I like, you know, was able to kind of show her the ropes a little bit. And then she kind of took what I did and up to Annie to that. And she, 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 she just took over. So, you know, you could talk about how that was for you because, you know, at the time that I had already left, I had, that was when I left to start the pop program. And she stayed that whole year and worked that whole year, basically when I was in pop. And that's when I called and said, Hey, listen, you need to come to Nova. Nah, but no, she wanted to come to Nova. But it was that conversation <laughs> where it was like, Hey, look, you need to come to Nova. But yeah, so, you know, for me, Dr. Tran was great. She definitely had a way of doing certain things, but it was also one of those things like you take what you get from this. If you want to take and learn more, she'll, she'll, you know, she'll definitely be there as a mentor to help you. But if you're just going to sit at the desk and, you know, not, not really get that experience, then you, you weren't going to get that experience. Um, you know, for me, I, I felt it was very helpful, you know, working in that, in that industry where I was teching, I actually learned all about insurances and claim. I, I could fix in glasses. I knew I'd do all that before I went to optometry school. So when we had our first courses um, where we were in the lab, OTM lab, you know, we had lensometry. Some people had never seen a lensometer. I had, you know, I'd already knew all, how to do all that stuff. So people would come to me and be like, hey, Rochelle, I see you know what you're doing. Like, hey, can you help me out? So there's definitely certain things that shadowing, you know, and, you know, as far as working with an optometrist will, will benefit you because you'll have one leg up on a lot of, you know, other students in the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it would have been very valuable if I did it. In retrospect, I wish I had, but um, I learned a lot from Solon, um, Rochelle, especially in labs, some basic clinical skills, like instead of preparing glasses, reading glasses, just the simple stuff that it's completely novelty if you've never done it and it seems like rocket science and it's really not um you learn those basic skills if you shadowed anybody or worked for somebody for a long time prior to optometry school is there anything else that you guys want to add to this podcast any more tips or tricks you want to hand out to anybody no no i would want to say going back to the test scores we okay. better because looking at studies the amount of black black students that are doing these standardized tests, they are some of the poor test takers when it comes to scoring on, you know, standardized tests. And we, we'll, we'll get into that on our journeys as we go through this, but that definitely, as you can see, even with the POP program had affected us. Um, so, you know, definitely that aspect of how can we do better with the testing? Are, are there a way where we're not just looking at the OAT or these other tests, just looking at the overall wholesome of 
who, how is this student going to contribute to, to my school? Um, I think there has to be some changes with that. Mm -hmm. I think you make a really good point about that. We'll definitely touch on that in some of our next episodes. But thank you so much for tuning in. We're so happy that you listened. We're so happy that you learned something new. But that you had fun with us. And we hope to see you in our next episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.